Education of our children doesn't begin and end at academia. There is a spiritual responsibility on each parent and teacher to nurture and train a young soul spiritually. This is called Chinuch. Join Rabbi G every Monday at 2 p.m. as he explores education and Chinuch for parents and teachers. Torah isn't education, it's transformation. 101.9 We are back as we do every Monday between 2 to 3. As very, very, very special and exciting Monday today, uh, coming into the radio with the great vibe and the great news of Mandy, Mandy Pikin, who is the radio, is helping in the shows whenever you need anything. Speak to Mandy. So Mandy is engaged to Gabby Joseph and another great Joseph family member who I'm sure uh, anybody in the community knows one of the Josephs from somewhere. And some help. So, yeah, an exciting day, an exciting week for High FM. And congratulations, Mandy and Gabby. And wish you all the best, really, going forward. And anybody of the listeners who wants to wish Mazel Tov, say Mazel Tov, we will give it to her right away. 34519 is the SMS line if you want to say Mazel Tov or anything about the show. Or 061-895-1019 is the telegram line. Or you could even call in 010-140-3020. So, today on the show, I have a very, very special guest. And when I say special, I've said many times on the show that if I hear somebody, run into somebody that I think should be in the show, I will do anything I can to make sure he is. So, a few weeks ago, I was sitting at a bar mitzvah, and a rabbi that I have never met before gets up to talk and spoke directly to this young teenage boy in the most amazing, inspiring way and really fascinating. After the speech, I walked up to him to hear a bit, a bit, a bit more about him. And I mentioned like, you know, I haven't really seen you around. Do you come to South Africa? Do you come more? And maybe you should, we need you here. And he, in a very sweet way, said, oh, yeah, I've been coming for 46 years every year. So I don't know how I missed out on him, but many of our listeners probably have not missed out. And if you did, this is your opportunity to hear from Rabbi Emanuel Tzadok, who has done phenomenal educational work in Israel. I really hope we even have enough time to discuss everything he's been involved in, uh, although... I did give him the full hour for the show, which doesn't uh, always happen. However, let's try. I'm not even going to give more introduction. Good afternoon, Rabbi Tzadok. Thank you so much for being with us. Good afternoon. Shalom, shalom. Shalom. So, me finding you for the first time after 46 years of you coming to South Africa was a big surprise. My luck. What? Your luck, my luck. Uh, I don't know. You, you definitely know South Africa before I do. So that's uh, a big, uh, uh, big point, big thing. I want to talk about education with you specifically, and I'll explain why. Uh, you've been involved voluntarily, to say, in education in Israel for many years. And you watched the country over, can I say 50 years easily or more? Maybe. Maybe about 50 years of education that you've been putting in. Um, no, 51. 51. To be okay. correct. To, to be, be correct. And it's all about being correct here. So 51 years of education. But it wasn't just 51 years of education. It was 51 years of the establishment of 
the Israeli country, establishment of um, diaspora coming up and making Aliyah doing to Israel, which is specifically an interesting day to be talking about Aliyah here in Joburg. However, uh, you've probably seen the, the changes in the past 50 years or 51 years between people that uh, came from diaspora with their challenges, their backgrounds, where they came from, the, what they were looking at, into what is happening today, which is their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, even, I don't know, and different challenges. I'm not even going to challenge you with the technology and the changes, etc. So it's really fascinating to see the amazing work you've done through all these years. However... I'm going to start, before talking about your work, you are involved in a certain project in Israel for all these years. Tell me a bit about it. Well, <clears throat> we cater for children that come from really a ruined background. Children that no one is willing to accept them, to take them, to care for them. Uh, you'd be surprised how many... Um, Social problems that are in Israel with children. Different, different uh, stories. Each one is a whole life story. And each achievement is actually a saving a world. As the sages say, if you saved one soul, one person, you saved a whole world. That's actually is the secret of our success because we're dealing not just as a with them as a group, as classes. Most high schools, they care for the class, but they don't see the individual out of the class or out of the class. We're actually working with them one by one. Even when they're in a class, each one is very important to us. So I just want to stop you there because when you say high school, we could think maybe we're talking about just a school. However, um, it's a boarding school. It's a, bo it's a, it's a boarding school. In fact, it's a yeshiva high school. And a uh, family. A, and a family, yes, yes. So we have a boarding uh, uh, building. We have a very large campus. As I said, we started in 69. This is actually our 51 years since we established. The uh, achievements are really phenomenal, real phenomenal. Each child, to meet him later is a big story. Uh, if I may just add one little thing. Go ahead. Uh, thank you. Uh, last June, we had our, we celebrated our 50th anniversary. Of course, we invited the alumni. There was some food, music, speakers, everything which we should do to make it festive. I cannot even tell how excited I personally was walking around Shaking hands with people, many of them have already gray hair, many of them have grandchildren, and dressed well, talk to them, holding positions in the Israeli societies, and when you look at them, and you know where they came from, it's really, really overwhelming. I was walking around like, like, uh, uh, what would I say, uh, very, very proud. Very, very excited. Like a, pr a proud parent. Just like this. Just like a proud you parent. You cannot do it differently unless you feel like a parent. Right. And and we talk about kids. You're saying that, that 
the kids that come to your uh, school to your program, which, as I said, is is not your um, y- your source of income. That's your volunteering. That's your 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 side side point. Is that correct? It's very correct. Very correct. Okay. Um, they come and and I hear many times about it that there are kids that didn't really have a, ch- a fair chance in life, or if if not for somebody being there picking them up, uh, they would have been. Uh, behind in society, if we can say. That's, uh, the least you can say. That's the least. I wanna, I wanna challenge that, and I wanna ask you, and we have spoken about this when, when we were talking privately. I'm seeing more and more kids in the same situation that are coming also from very blessed families. Which means that in today's times, the fact that a child was born to a family that are successful, financially stable, warm family is not a guarantee in any way that the child is going to grow with all the abilities and uh, path for achievement. Um, I think you heard the question and before the rabbi could answer, the rabbi could see how much pressure I've been putting to God for ad breaks. So maybe I will have to take a short ad break. And when we come back, we will continue this fascinating discussion with Rabbi Immanuel Tzadok, who is here for the 46th time an uh, educational journey from Israel. 101.9 short break and we will be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. 101.9 we are back in the middle of a fascinating discussion. So right before the break, I asked Rabbi Emanuel Sadok, who's here on his mission, about... Um, the other years he's been investing in his organization has been investing in kids that came from a very challenging background who kind of left them with no, I'd say future. It's hard to say no future, but no natural future unless they got the intervention. But I'm seeing today in my work that many kids come with a very good background, financially stable, happy homes, family, etc., and they still find themselves in teen years at the same point with no future ahead of them very stressed, very stuck, and almost as if the background doesn't really play a real factor today, and that's what I'd like to hear about. So what do you say about that, Rabbi? Well, uh, it's so uh, actually amazing to know that this thing is possible. There is no guarantee with children. Uh, Important people, rich people, great rabbis, no guarantee. Uh, we need more luck than anything, and we need a lot of uh, patience bringing them up. However, you find those that really slept out, and everyone with his reason, with his story, and I think we could write many books about personal stories. Uh, I would take first the side which everyone is familiar with, children that coming from uh, a low background, Children that are coming from uh, troubled uh, families. Uh, I can tell that we, maybe four years ago, literally, literally picked up homeless children from the streets. I'm talking about 13, 14 years children roaming the streets, living in different places, in tunnel, in bus stops, uh, dirty, uh, no food had to pinch for food, and there is no way for them to become anything unless they've been 
taken to good education. Uh, in a very convincing, sweet way, we picked them one by one, 26 guys. We gave them very good attention, very good education. And three to four years later, they all finished their metric, which is not so easy. Uh, some of them with the high marks, some of them on five uh, uh, level five, which is very high. Which in Israel is the highest. It's the highest. It's okay. very, very it's high. So uh, this was great success. All of them, with no exception, went to the army, serving yet now in the army, doing very well. We keep in touch. We follow up. We always tell them, this is your home. You can always come back here. Because in most cases, the contact with their parents is either no not existing, or very, very little. Talking, or, yes, sir. Or when, I, I, I wouldn't, sometimes I actually see today that the contact is very existing, but as a power struggle, as fight, as the child, when they confront their parents, they're always, they need, a, they're, they're more stressed than before, the parents and the kids many times. Is that part of the communication that we see today a bit different, maybe? You know, parents has to be very, clever, very um, lenient uh, don't push too hard just go as it said in Hebrew as the Bible says educate the child according to his nature and you cannot just go and beat him or oppress him or force him just be clever and get along with him he will grow up he will become something, but don't push too hard. When you push too hard, you break. These children run out of home, and before they understand, they are homeless roaming the streets. Right. So that's a tremendous achievement. Because that's a very uh, um, important point to find the definition, because when a child is a younger age, yes, we do need very strong boundaries at all the ages maybe, but starting then. And then as a child goes older, we need a kind of, I'd say let go and maybe change from um, the boundaries and discipline to the love and care and open. Not obviously we got to have both of it at the same time, because what the rabbi was saying was Hanoch Lanar. Nar is a teenager. It's right. And many times we we would say for kids, and then maybe we would give the freedom too early, and then the child doesn't have the discipline they need. So where is, how do I identify the transformation between a young child who needs the boundaries and the direction to an older one who needs more the open way of education? Well, everyone is different. However, at a young age, you really have to show uh, definite boundaries and tell them what's the difference between wrong and right. When they grow up, hopefully, those things that you invested in them will come to uh, be part of their lives. But yet you cannot just be unkind to them, force them. Soft language. The words of please from a parent can do magic on a child. A, a pet, a good word. Please help me. Just be with me. I love you very much. These words work fantastically. Anyone that has a teenager at home, and teenager is not an easy thing to go through. <laughs> and many times when I talk to people, I said, look, teenager goes usually with acne 
uh, wounds. That's part of life. That happens. But remember one thing. As much as you don't want that acne leave scars on the face, you don't want to leave scars on the child's soul, on the child's neshama. Wow, that's powerful. Okay. So what, so, so when we go and we look, so where are we losing it? Where are we getting confused and lost and putting the pressures? Because I do believe that these parents are good parents, good people, caring. And what happens along the way? Well, it's very much, very much dependent on a person. Some parents can be very tough and they think that all they need, they think that they are in the army probably. If all they need to do is to put down orders and you got to listen. And it doesn't work this way. Comes the age of 14, 15, you see the changes in the young guy. Now you need to talk with him differently. Now you have to show him that he has a personality and you respect him. You respect his personality. You respect his views. And when he says something, you don't just say no. You discuss it with him. You try to explain to him the differences between right and wrong. There are times, not too many, when you put your foot down and you say, that's no. And afterwards you can explain. But it goes with a very, uh, uh, how would I say, very uh, undivided or very clear, I would say. Uh, no. It's not a discussion. But, it's just a clear yes, a statement. Yes, but this, this is on very few things. Maybe when you say it rarely, then your child takes it much more serious than if you keep on saying it five times a day, then eventually your child will lose interest. That's correct. Here comes the wisdom of a person. It comes the sensitivity of the person. It comes to the understanding that your child is not your slave and you cannot just dictate to him. You have to build up your relation with him in a nice, beautiful way. Because there are two ways. Some will fled and run home. Some will just simply shut down and wouldn't listen. I saw children that stay at their home and they don't go out. They are not interested to talk to the parents. They are not interested to go to school. To school, and they just disconnect themselves. Uh, this is a terrible thing. And then to reverse it, it becomes really very difficult. So the wisdom is to get along according to the growth. Some children begin with it a year later. Some will be a year before. But you have to be very sensitive and know how where things go to. In what direction? You talk a lot about uh, the personal caring connection, the, connecting the unconditional love. And unconditional love is amazing by c- just coming and telling your child what you love about them. You're happy that you have them, even not, not because of an achievement, just because they are your child. And I'm wondering, many times we say, well, in big families, it's difficult, it's challenging. You have about 140 kids in Europe. That's correct. And you have a personal connection with every one of them. Correct. So now I know if any mom is driving now and has over 140 kids, then I don't know if we can help. But if you have less than 140 biological kids or kids that you connected, how do you really, from your experience, how can you create a personal connection and an intimate, loving relationship with so many kids? Well, I will give you a very simple example. I will talk about a great personality, our Roshi Shiva. I never ever for so many years, heard our Rosh Shiva raising his voice. He can be raged on something, but he will talk very softly. He can put his foot down, 
but he won't scream. He won't raise his voice. So the children has great respect to him. And that's where everything begins. If they have respect to you as a teacher, as a principal, as a Rosh Hashiva, or as a parent, that's where you can ask things and they will do it out of respect. And the magic word is always, I love you. It's doing, it's doing magical things. Just keep telling them how much you love them, how much you care for them. Sometimes you say, I remember myself saying to my children, look, I'm telling you things which you don't want to understand. But I promise you that one day when you will have your own children, you will say, oh, daddy was, was right. And I hear it from them now when they have grown up children. They tell it to you or they tell it to their kids? Do they come back and say, Daddy, you were right? Or do they tell them? You, you know, you know what they say about the kid when he was 17 years old? He said, well, my father knows nothing. When he's 21, he says, look how much he learned in few years. <laughs> You're achieving, achieving. The father is getting somewhere. Okay. If I, if yeah. I may just touch something else, you mentioned we di- really discussed children that come from problematic background, uh, which can be economical, social, or sometimes I say it, tough parents or, or parents who are rigid or not, not flexible, I would say. However, I want to talk about another project that we run. A children that probably has what you call HDD. These children coming. ADHD. Say it again? ADHD. ADHD. I play. But but it's ADHD. You don't have to say it in the right order. You could just go with it. Okay. Okay. Uh, Anyway, the children actually coming from good families. They have other brothers and sisters. They do well in life, bring a lot of nachas to their parents. And here is one child that makes it difficult. The parents say to him, go to school. And the, the next thing they found that he was wandering in the streets. He hates the school. He doesn't have patience. And he doesn't like the remarks as if he is, he is not serious, he is not good, because he doesn't cope with the things that are happening around. Can I just comment on that? Because sometimes we think as parents that these examples are not so relevant because we, we can't go wandering around the streets. I say exactly what the rabbi is saying. But for South Africa, I would change it. The kid is wandering around on Internet and cell phone and not on the streets, but it's the same concept. Basically, yes, because he did, detached himself exactly. from the surrounding isolation. isolation. So it doesn't matter if he's running around the streets or running out, around okay. online. We established a, a, a very, very wonderful uh, project in which we deal with these kids. Now no one wants to, to deal with them. No school. The principals quickly, quickly call the parents and say, take your child, look for another place. And there is no another place. So we have a whole class that we give them in the morning where they're still focused. We give them three hours of studies. And then we teach them agriculture work, carpentry work. Uh, these children are not stupid. They are clever children. And we know that it's just a matter of time that they will settle. They all will go to the, will go to the army. And the parents don't stop telling us, you saved my child. You saved my child. And it's really heart touching and it really give you the, 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 uh, encouragement to continue and fight for what you do. And uh, it's amazing. And, and I think it's crucial even on another level, I have to say, because sometimes when these kids are under so much stress, um, they could even be led to places they don't want to be and situations they don't, they don't want to be. I know 
of, I know firsthand from the years I was in Israel, from about a principal who was running um, a network of schools for kids with um, ADD, ADHD, whatever, the learning challenges or many, many different areas and things, that he once got a phone call from the Israeli government, somebody in the uh, special, in the uh, security services, who said about a certain village of Israeli Arabs that there was quite a lot of terror coming out of uh, teenagers and kids from that town. Mm. And they asked him to go into that Arab village and to build a remedial school there. And their intention was actually to bring down terror and crime, and it worked. And it was amazing to see how kids that in the past went into things that we think it's just ideology of war and things. They were actually kids that couldn't sit still and had their own challenges. And would you say that, that it actually can even escalate way beyond just running around the streets to actually damaging themselves and the people around them? You're touching a painful, painful point. If you, and I know, do here. <laughs> I know, I know that you read the Israeli papers, and I know that you, that you know the expression the hills boys. Those are children that many of them come from very good families, but they don't want to sit at school. They become build themselves into small gangs, and they go and look for action. They want to release their energy, and they get and get involved with Arab villages because this is, uh, they, they think that they are heroes and they can chase away their uh, flock, they can cut their trees and then it quickly, quickly... Which is fed, fed in very easily because it's happening for both sides, so it... Um, they, they have an, it's, it's kind of an excuse, but we don't want no, that. No, exactly, We're, but I'm saying it's, it, it's, we have a good excuse, so that's why it's... Uh, it's causing <laughs> a tremendous damage to Israel because everything got, runs quickly to the media, I agree. international media, it can run to the United Nations, and they don't blame, blame just little uh, youngsters, uh, they blame Israel for it. And that's really when you take them and you give them proper education, first thing you save Israel from the troubles. You save the streets. You clean the streets from children that can uh, get into trouble. And thank God for the achievements which are amazing. I literally say amazing. I'm there for over 40 years, and I can tell you one thing. I love it, and I believe in it, and I know one thing, that my reward is not here. My reward, I know, is up there in heaven. <laughs> that, that I couldn't agree more. We just have to take another ad, ad break. And I want to ask you after the break about when we talk about the shifting of generations from the past. And I'm going to ask you as an educator today and 50 years ago, but also as an educator um, that specified and, and got your degree and your master's in um, history, in education and history, Jewish history, etc. So let's take a bit of the history into today, the relevance and the differences. And that we will do right after another short ad break. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9 G. We are back in the middle of a fascinating discussion with Rabbi Immanuel Tzadok, who's been an educator. When we met together, me and I for the rabbi for the first time, uh, as I said in the beginning, was I actually heard you speaking at a bar mitzvah, and I heard an amazing, amazing story about the history 
and connection. And as I said, Rabbi Manuel Tzadok did many of his, uh, part of his degrees and many years in history and connection, uh, previous generations. And you said a story, a story that I wanted to share on the radio, but since you would do a much better job than me, then I'd like to hear it directly from you. Well, uh, you know, uh, speaking to a bar mitzvah boy should bring through a message, a message which will connect him to his past. Uh, we really don't want that the bar mitzvah will be the door out. This should be the door in. So Completely. I use from time to time different uh, examples. Uh, I can share with you what I say then. We can maybe bring another example. Um, well, I said to the Bar Mitzvah boy, uh, here we are, uh, a walking by person, walks in a field road. It's actually a road that no one goes through unless there are some farmers that would drive through. And uh, he comes to a crossroad. And he's looking around, and he doesn't know. Should he continue go forward, right, left? What should he do? Um, so he's sitting aside, waiting. Maybe anyone will walk by and tell him where to go. Time goes by, and he, and no one comes by. When he's desperate, he stands up and he starts walking around, and all of a sudden, he sees on the side that someone broke the um, sign with the directions and uh, threw it away. What do you think, I'm asking the young boy, what do you think he should do to find his way where to go? I think that should be a question for high kids, but uh, <laughs> we're running out of time. Can the rabbi answer? All right. Uh, with a little bit of help, we come to a conclusion. And uh, we come to a conclusion that there is one, I tell him, there is one thing he, he do know. What is that? Well, he knows where he came from. Which means, if you lift up that sign and put it when the arrow shows where you came from, then everything will fall in place. Which means, in a simple way, if you know where you came from, you know where to go to. Otherwise, you get lost. There's no other way of putting it. And we do need to take another short ad break. And when we come back, we will come to the final discussion with Rabbi Immanuel Sadok visiting here from... IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Rabbi Sadok, we, you, as I said, has, have been involved in education for over... Um, 50, for 51 years, not over 51 no, years involved. No, for longer. 51 years is since, is we, since we established our campus. Oh, so even more than that. Even more than that. For sure. Okay. I don't know. On the building, there's a massive sign on your name. But that's for 40 years. So that, uh, <laughs> okay. That's a big thing. But we're not talking about it because you don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I want you to give me a final message. A parent, anybody, a educator, a child, anybody listening now, what is your final message to them about education? Well, uh, assuming that there are some parents listening to this program, and uh, probably some people say, it's all nice, I heard what you say, but what message, what tip you can give us? It's not so simple, 
But in general, I would say, remember one thing. Education is not what you say. Definitely not by you dictate to your children. Education comes by your personal example. I think we better keep our mouth, mouth a little bit sharp and show what we do, how we behave. And I want to conclude, and I think it's, it's actually simple if you want to do it. I want to conclude with the words of the prophet that said, I will say it first in Hebrew. What does the Lord your God asking from you? Just be just. Look for justice. Love justice. Be modest with your God. If you behave modestly, if you are just, that's what your children look and see. And that's where they learn. And you produce a duplicate of yourself. And that will be your great success in life. Amazing, amazing Rabbi Emanuel Tzadok, as we say, it's your actions that change the world much more than your opinion. Thank you very much. As we can say. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you so much. And the ending off, I think there couldn't be a better ending off than the quote from Anavi Micha, as the Rabbi said. And we will just, I hope, just remember to stay humble and do what we can to make the world a better place and influence education. So, another show has come to an end. And um, really, time flies when you're discussing with such an amazing um, rabbi who is visiting, Rabbi Emanuel Tzadok. Thank you so much for being with us. In the meantime, until we hear again next week on Monday, in the meantime, stay safe and do something good.